0: Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 52 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today, as usual, is my co-host, the good brother, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Larry. It is Wednesday instead of Tuesday. The wrestling world is going to be upside down again in two weeks, and it's a fun time, though.
0: It is, dude. It's a lot of lot of good stuff going on. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the NXT two hour debut tonight. Uh, Brock is back. New Japan stuff. We have a lot to talk about, Jeremy. So it'll it'll be a good time as always. I'm rather excited. Yeah, it's a it's a very fun time. I I crack I've been cracking up on Twitter because like um on Raw and then like I know tonight on NXT. I don't know if it was on SmackDown, but like there were AEW commercials that popped up. People are like, oh, I can't believe an AEW commercial, blah, blah, blah. It's like, wh- what do you mean? It's like, if you're going to fucking promote nationally, of course you would promote on the fucking, like, wrestling show on Raw that gets, like, over 2 million viewers every week. Hello? It's like, why is this, like, a surprising thing to anybody?
1: It's smart business, honestly. Like, you know wrestling fans are watching wrestling, and Cody can say all he wants about... Uh, getting the lapsed fan or people like that. And there can be reports that there's not much crossover with the, the buying the pay-per-views and stuff. But let's be honest, like wrestling fans are watching wrestling. And so if they see the AEW commercial, then they will be like, Oh, there is this new product that maybe I've seen. Maybe I haven't let me potentially check this out. So it's smart move by, by AEW. And I would not be shocked if, uh, WWE does the same thing on AEW's debut.
0: Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's it's business. Hello, it's like it's just what happens. There's nothing weird about it. It's like huh, I don't know. I, I, people get like kind of crazy over the the simplest things sometimes. So I don't know.
1: People get crazy over a lot of things on Twitter. I see these arguments with different fan bases and stands and stuff it's like just enjoy shit like why is there so much negativity surrounding so many people just you know people can like different stuff you can just enjoy stuff there's something out there for everybody and you don't have to take everything so serious
0: especially in wrestling man there's just so much stuff out there and we're gonna talk
1: (laughs) In wrestling, there is an angle where we know who the baby daddy is, and now we're supposed to think that a married man is the baby daddy and a guy with a girlfriend is the baby. Wrestling is dumb as fuck, and we oh, love yeah. it. But let's be honest, it's dumb as hell. Let's not take it all that serious.
0: I mean, really. It is. It's, But yeah, just there, there's so much out there, and again, it's like, If you're not finding something on whatever night of the week that you like, there's tons of other shit out there. Just go looking. So, we're going to start off in WWE land, Jeremy. Tuesday night SmackDown, this kind of goes back to our last show. We talked Clash of Champions. We talked Kofi's title run. We questioned if it was time to pull the plug on Kofi's title run. And I pondered the question to you, what are they going to do? Who should it be? Who should beat them? One name and thing you brought up was Brock Lesnar and the Fox debut. And Brock Lesnar returned on SmackDown. They set up the title match for the debut on Fox. What is your thoughts on the return of Brocktober?
1: I'm excited for it. Like the, This whole thing was brilliant. They needed a big match for the October 4th show. We all believe Brock is going to end Kofi's reign. And if he does, great. If he doesn't, holy shit, Kofi is even more made than he already is. Um, either way, it's a good thing. They've got two weeks to promote it. Now on Uh, Sunday football and Saturday football you know Fox when the graphic comes up it's not just hey Smackdown's coming to Fox it's hey first episode former UFC heavyweight champion former NFL tryout uh, former NFL player I mean he played in preseason games former NFL player Brock Lesnar is challenging Kofi Kingston for the WWE championship and you're pulling from different fan bases here because Fans watching that, they're going to see uh, Brock, who they might recognize from Crossover. They're going to see an African American who is the WWE champion, and they're going to be like, "Oh, this could be something to watch." You know, I I feel like most people who watch these sports games know about WWE, but it doesn't hurt to just market these things, and they've done a really good job with the marketing. Um, uh, with with. Smackdown going to Fox and Fox is pushing it really hard. Now they have an actual match to push and Brock is the guy. Like that you no know, you can say what you want about him, the whole scheduling, Brock feels important. He always feels important. He's probably always going to feel important because he's not around that much and that's a great thing. And the the October 4th match is going to feel important. And it'll probably be the best match of Kofi's run because we've talked about it. He ain't had some good matches. And Brock, uh, that guy, he puts out bangers. Say what you will around about him. The guy, he bangs when he's in the ring, and I think this match is going to be really good as well. So I don't see a downside to this.
0: Yeah, and trust me, I get the frustration with how Brock has been booked a lot, and I get it, and I understand, and I agree with a lot of it. It does become frustrating. But again, like you said, you need something big for this debut. You need a match you can push and hype. And whether people like it or not, and part of it is WWE's fault, though, I will admit, uh, Brock feels like the biggest star that they have by a country mile. And part of that is because they haven't built up other stars at the expense of a ton of guys. But, I mean, Brock, like you mentioned, is a crossover star. So he hits a lot of boxes for a lot of things. And so now the question is going to be, how do they play it? Are are they just gonna have Brock beat him? Because I mean that seems to be the play. Because I mean again, with all due respect to Kofi, Kofi's a great guy and he's you know he had it was a great story and great win at WrestleMania. But the run has been I mean his booking's been good because he wins matches and he hasn't been jobbed out like Ray when he was champion. But just there hasn't been like a list of good or interesting matches. Like, the Orton angle was good, but once it got in the ring, it just existed. There was no fire, there was no passion, there was no sense of urgency from either guy. You know, it's just not all Randy, but it was just, it wasn't there. And you need something different. So, you can have Brock win, obviously, which I think makes a lot of sense. For the marketing reasons, you know.
1: I think Brock wins, um, but if he doesn't once again that puts Kofi into a whole other stratosphere that he he beats Brock Lesnar and hopefully you know we talked about Kofi's reign on the Clash of Champions review show it has been good from the way they protected him Uh, some of the angles have even been good like the Kevin Owens turn was good The, the Randy Orton story was good just in ring wise it just hasn't been there and it's a lot of things. Whether it's the match layout, whether it's uh, Dolph Ziggler or, or Randy Orton, or, or you know Kofi just not being able to to pull something out of them, whatever it is, it just hasn't clicked in the ring. Um, but he's had his run. It's been a good run. It lasted longer than anybody thought. I think most people suspected it was going to end at Summerslam, if not before that. And you know it, it's going to October. You know, it had to end at some time. Kofi wasn't going to hold the title forever. And Brock, there's no shame in losing to Brock Lesnar. Fuck, it's Brock Lesnar. Uh, This would be the right call.
0: I think so as well. But, I mean, so you have option number one, Brock beats him. Option number two, Kofi somehow overcomes the odds and gets the biggest win of his career. Say what you will about the WrestleMania title win itself. But beating Brock would just be... Something. <clears throat> excuse me. Nobody expected.
1: No, not at all. But I think I think Brock wins. So,
0: and then there is option number three, Jeremy. Because keep in mind, just two days later is Hell in a Cell. They could run the match, run a disputed finish or a non finish, and rematch at Hell in a Cell.
1: I don't know if you want to do that on the first fox show oh i think it would be a
0: horrible idea but I mean. yeah
1: that that wouldn't be the best idea to me so i i don't it's it's certainly an option but they'd be playing with some fire if they tried that one i think that
0: they're i think if they're smart because you know kofi fans love kofi and stuff i think if they're smart they kind of re- rewind and do the uh the, the uh, brock and cena SummerSlam match where Brock just fucking destroys, destroys, destroys. Kofi gets a hope spot, destroys, destroys, destroys. Kofi gets a uh, like a hope spot. And then you can even have Kofi get an elongated comeback down the stretch and even hit Trouble in Paradise. And then, you know, Brock just overcomes. But, I mean, yeah, I think Brock is going to win. I think they're going to want to send a message on that first show. Title change is a big message. Putting it on Brock is a big message, especially when you're trying to market that show. So, yeah, I think Brock wins. I think that's the play. It's, it's not ideal, but, I mean, it's, it's the bed they've made because they haven't created enough new stars to come in and take that role over and for it to matter. I love Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan's not the guy to go in there and beat Kofi and take over as champion right now. They love Roman, but Roman's not in a position right now to take over and do it. Yeah, they've built up the Fiend, but he's challenging Seth Rollins, so he's kind of out of it too. Yeah, you can't do like Nakamura. He's just hanging out with Sami Zayn, the IC title. You know, AJ Styles is busy, so it's like they just they haven't built up anyone else. So, for better or for worse, I think Brock is the right call. Agreed. So, so that is. It looks like we're gonna have Brock Tober back, and it will be interesting to see. How much Brock will be around if and when he wins the title? I think that will be important too, because if he is around more, that does make a difference. Um, and yeah, this is Brock's like first TV match in something like 15 years, I think they said.
1: Yeah, I think his last match was uh, 2004, 2003, against uh, Hardcore Holly.
0: Well, there you go. So that is the, the big Brock Lesnar deal. I thought the angle came off really well on SmackDown, and again, it, uh, it felt like a big deal, which is probably the most important thing.
1: Definitely. It was a surprise, and Brock feels like a big deal. Whether you like him or not, he is a big deal.
0: So moving on, speaking of big deals, Jeremy, NXT made its two-hour debut uh finished up about 28 minutes ago from when we're recording now it was a it was two hours it was a very nxt show uh before we go and kind of run through it jeremy broad stroke thoughts what did you think of the show
1: very good show entertaining for the two hours that it was short of two hours they got off the network at like nine minutes before so i don't know whose fault is that they barely got off of usa network that went right up to nine o'clock and even i guess seconds over and then they got off the WWE network like nine minutes prior but the lasting impression, overall quick impressions, is that it was good. It was easy to sit through. They crammed a lot in, and I don't know if that's always the best idea. There, there were some definite cons, mainly the the pacing felt a little bit off. But as a first show, you know Triple H has the experience of doing this. At the same time, when he is the guy at the helm, and you are working with a new team that doesn't have the overall experience and a new uh, new team of wrestlers, new team of production, all all of that that don't have the same kind of experience. There's going to be those production hiccups. So those are to be expected. I assume they'll get those ironed out um, in, in the near future. But overall, I can't help but be impressed with the show. A lot of good wrestling. Hey, if you want some wrestling, then the show had a lot of good wrestling on it.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it overall. I thought it was easy to watch. It flew by. Um, which is really great. for I I love a wrestling show that feels like, oh, it's over? Really? I mean, it just it, it went very fast um, in terms of that. Never felt like it got like, slow or dragged along. Y- you know those nights where you're watching Raw and you're like, Jesus Christ, it's only 9.30. You know, it's like I never felt anything like that. I thought they accomplished a lot. And as you mentioned, a lot of good wrestling on the show. So we start off... Uh, Uncle Paul opened the show, and there was already people complaining about that. Oh, of course Hunter had to open the fucking show. It's like, oh Jesus Christ, it's his fucking baby. Let the guy open his show. He's a prod dad.
1: I figured people would complain about that, but it's a you know a thirty second intro package, and then he throws it to the crowd, and like we're gonna show you who I. <laughs> I don't know. They're just complaining because it's Triple H. Yet yeah. they, they love the guy because he's giving you NXT. Fuck off. Papa Paul's the best.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it was fine. It's just, like I said, yeah, he was he was the proud dad. He's putting his kids on, you know, primetime cable, dude. He's fucking happy. Good for him. Uh, we started off with the number one contenders match for the Women's Championship. Candice LeRae defeated Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, and Io Shirai. Ten minutes via pin. Jeremy, I go to you for your thoughts, sir.
1: Strong match to start the USA era because you get four different personalities out there. You figured this match was going to be good. You figured it would have a lot of action to it, and and it certainly did. Like There was no resting periods, which you, you've got four four wrestlers in there so there shouldn't be any resting resting periods it should just be at least two at a time but and that's usually the WWE formula but they were working three and four at a time uh for a good portion of this match so i thought this was the right call to put this match on first it really you know it wasn't a 10 15 minute promo to open the show i know you were happy about that but so yes. we we got a really good match to to start off things Candice la The right call to win, honestly. She has not faced Shayna Baszler like Mia Yim and and Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. And she is the purest babyface of the bunch. And she is also the underdog, Shayna Baszler. We saw it at the ending segment where the horsewomen surrounded Candice and it was kind of like all right you're on your own here this is what you're up against so I thought it accomplished a lot of things and I guess the most important thing is it really delivered in the ring
0: yeah uh, I thought it was a hell of a little sprint to kick off the show I I liked that the ladies got a chance to open things up Uh, I thought the match was really good I liked that they paid attention to the the established feuds between Candice and Io and uh, Mia and Bianca that have been there in the past. I thought they did a good job of that. I thought everybody looked good. Everybody got a chance to shine at various points. Uh and Candace picks up the big win. Great finish with the uh, super poison Rana and Lion Salt. And yeah, she likes it, just, just the most pure baby face they have in the women's roster right now. And she just win came off really well. Fresh challenger for Shayna. Uh, they do have some history working together with each other from the May Young Classic. So they'll have that to pull off of. And like I said, they did the little standoff post-match. And uh, that match is going to take place in two weeks on the, uh, the first head-to-head week, Jeremy. So uh, good booking to set the contender and announce the match pretty much right away.
1: I figured once, I think I tweeted it once, that this number one contender's match was announced. It was like, oh yeah, whoever wins this. They're facing Shayna October second because AEW is crowning their first women's champion. That show you go, what do you put up against that? The most dominant women's champion in NXT history against, and now we know Candice LeRae, like the the big underdog. So it, it's it's the right call, and you know October second is going to be fun.
0: Exactly, yeah, and again, it's a smart move to get it announced now. I mean, you, you said it to contender. No need to wait and announce it later on. Just get it out there because you're, you're trying to build this audience in the first two weeks so that they when you do have the competition, hopefully whatever audience you draw will stay with you and not migrate over to your other show. So, yeah, smart move. Um, moved on. Um, contrary to popular belief, we will have some squash matches from time to time. Cameron Grimes and his wacky hat stomped the fuck out of Sean Maluda with a double stomp and beat him in five seconds. Fantastic.
1: No problem with this. I like squash matches. We should have squash matches. And, yeah, this was fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, again, it wasn't like a boring 90-second thing with some back and forth. Cameron Grimes hit his fucking move, then pinned a the dude. That's it. Great. <laughs> you know, um, so we moved on to the, the main event of our one, the North American championship match where Roderick strong defeated the Velveteen dream in 15 minutes via pin. Jeremy, I go to you for your thoughts.
1: Early portion of this match was a little rough for me. I don't know what it was with Velveteen dream. He looked kind of off. Um, there were, there were some pen attempts where I don't know. He, he was a little stiff on them and instead of kind of laying out more for strong and it's fine I can appreciate the struggle but at the same time it just looked like it was a struggle and instead of uh, a realistic kind of thing it looked just more like a guy who was just struggling to be in position and and, and do the things you're, you're taught to do in wrestling uh, but the closing stretch was really hot the Undisputed Era interference I'm Iffy on one hand, it obviously makes sense because this was their prophecy. They wanted Strong to get the title. It protects Velveteen Dream. You know, they needed three guys around ringside to beat him. So I can get that. But you're, and we'll talk about this with the, the main event segment, but you're promising like no BS. And then you're giving us kind of this, this interference here on your big first main event. So there was a little bit of a, a disconnect there. If they don't promise that whole no BS nonsense, then it probably comes off a little bit better. And again, it's it made sense. I get why they did it. It didn't completely detract from a match, like another match we'll talk about later on this podcast. It still just was it fully necessary for what you were marketing. Roderick Strong winning, right call. They, yeah, they've been wanting to do this Undisputed Era with all the gold, for it feels like this entire year and they finally pulled the trigger on it these are the dominant guys in the promotion step up to them it's gonna set up to something for war games and i cannot wait for that yeah
0: um i agree with you about the early portion of the match it wasn't bad or anything it just it felt a little off and janky at times uh they got around that really good though and they uh they got they have really good chemistry So um, going on from there, everything was really good. I thought they worked really well together. Um, Roddy in there with a guy like Dream just makes so much sense because Roddy's such a strong leader and a veteran for a guy like Dream who, while Dream is really good for his experience, he's a great athlete and a ton of charisma, but he's still growing as an overall wrestler. So working with Roddy is only good for him. I could have done without the overbooked stuff at the end. Like you said, it kind of went against the whole no BS thing. And for me, it took away a little bit. Not like a lot. Didn't ruin it or anything. I still thought this was a really, really good match. Close to great. And again, yeah, title change is the right call. Not only because it completes the prophecy they've been building to, but also on the first show, it gives you a title change. So it's like, oh, hey, important shit's going to happen on this show. And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, for, for sure. My dog is getting angry at something. Um, if he starts barking, then he, he's a big Velveteen Dream fan. Not happy with Roderick Shaw. <laughs> not
0: happy with the finish here. No, not
1: happy with this finish <laughs> at all. Apparently but for it, was sure it does. What, what was that?
0: I said apparently your dog does dispute this finish. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, it was the right call to do the title change for not only story purposes, but you're right. It gives the show a bigger feel like, hey – Watch this show. You, you might get some title changes. And, and that's going to be kind of their uh, October 4th Fox thing as well is first show out of the gate, get a big title change. It helps establish that major things can happen. We as longtime wrestling fans know that'll settle down in, in the weeks and months ahead. But for first time viewers, you know, they'll be like, all right, shit, this is important stuff to watch.
0: Yeah, so I thought overall the first hour came off really well because you had two really, really good matches, two important matches, you set up that title match, Cameron Grimes got a quick squash, so he came off really well. Uh, they did push the top of the hour, as you said, they almost had a, uh ECW barely legal moment. Paul was you know uncle Daddy Paul was backstage, get off the air, God damn it you know he 's probably going fucking nuts <laughs> last thing you want to do is fuck up that debut, but yeah they uh they went right up against the top of the hour, so uh but yeah, I thought it was a really strong first hour on u s a network really enjoyable, and again, important things happened, you know again, number one contender, title match set, and then you had the title change. So, I think on the USA portion, that went about as well as you could have hoped for.
1: From what I've seen, as far as complaints go, is they tried to pack too much with the video packages. And I get that. You know, they ran packages for Lee and Dajakovic, um, they'll, they'll face next week. And then. Damian Priest, I assume he'll get kind of a role. Like, there's a lot of talent on this NXT roster, and this essentially was a a one-hour show on USA Network. Obviously, the overall package was two hours, but if you're just watching the USA portion, it was one hour. You can't pack everything into that. I think what they, you know, like Johnny Gargano was never mentioned, or he was mentioned in relation to to Candice LeRae, but relatively you know as far as being pushed he was never really mentioned on this show adam cole yeah he was there with the undisputed air and stuff and he got a small video package but as the face of the company you would think he would have gotten a little bit more there there was just a lot of guys that you just you can't get to them all and they also have to honor like ongoing storylines like the women's um, title uh, number one contender match and like the Undisputed Era kind of story. So you can't just like push reset on everything and start over. So I I get where people are coming from. Like, oh, they should have featured this. They should have featured that. They should have done this. But they wanted to feature good wrestling and they wanted to feature like big moments. And I think they did that as well as they could have because we got two really good matches we, we got a squash kind of established. They did pack new people in there Dajakovic, Keith Lee, Damian Priest. You know, you got Shayna Baszler on television as well. She's the women's champion. So you got all of your champions on the show uh, in some capacity. I thought that for the, the time they had, which was only one hour on USA, they did as well as they could have to get everything that they wanted to get on there.
0: Yeah, and, and again, as we talked about too, it's, a, it's going to be a, a growing process. Yes, NXT has done one-hour TV for a long time. Yes, they do take over specials. But converting to a two-hour TV format is going to be different. There will be, despite the fact that WWE has so many experienced production people, there may be some growing pains, and I understand some of those complaints. But I think that overall they accomplished what they needed to for that first hour on USA.
1: Yeah, they've been one hour, but it's also been taped and it's on the network, so they don't have to. They can go over if they want to. Um, You know, you're not up against hard breaks with commercials. You're kind of just putting your own little WWE promo commercials in there. A lot different of a ball game here. So it's it's a learning process again. Triple H has done this. He he's been in the seat next to Vince McMahon for a long time for Raw and SmackDown. But a lot of the guys behind the scenes in NXT haven't done this. A lot of the wrestlers haven't done this. The referees, like there's a lot, the cameramen, like there's a lot of people who have to hit different marks. And for the first show, it's tough to pull that off. And, you know, they had they had some hiccups. The, they had the pacing issues. They did have like trying to pack in a little bit too much and not letting stuff breathe. It's It's going to happen with the first show. It's probably going to happen next week. It may even happen the week after that. It'll get sorted out because NXT has kind of proven that they can get these things sorted out. And it just it comes with experience.
0: Yeah, and expect some of that stuff probably with the AEW debut shows too because they have a lot of experienced people in wrestling, working production and stuff. But as we've seen with some of the pay-per-view and shows that they've run, while a lot of it looks good and they do a pretty good job... They still miss some camera shots. There are some pacing problems still. So again, it's going to be a learning process for them as well. So you know, don't expect a perfect show from them either production wise. First couple weeks, it's a growing process for everybody, which is again really interesting to watch to see who who kind of jumps the learning curve the quickest. And and in reality, it should be the WWE people because of the experience and everything. Um, but I mean, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I think that there are some valid complaints, but I don't think, I think some people were overblowing it a little bit, like, like making it out like it was this horrible, like, catastrophe. They were so close to the top of the hour. Well, they didn't, they got off the air. It was okay. Relax. Again, learning, they're going to have to learn, they're going to have to improve, and it's just, it was, but I, like, like you said, and I kind of said too, it's like, you had important matches, you had really good wrestling, you accomplished a lot of goals, so I think a success.
1: You set up upcoming weeks on television. You know in two weeks you're getting a women's title match, you know next week you're getting Lee and Dajakovic. So they, overall, for the time they were given, for being a debut and everything, uh, I thought I thought they did extremely well.
0: Yeah. So we moved on to hour two on the WWE Network, started off with... Pete Dunn defeating Arturo Huas in uh, 6 minutes and 40 seconds via submission. Uh, this ended up being way more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I did really like that they um, they worked a completely different style of match than anything else that had been on the show. Uh, grappling, striking and stuff. And, um, I thought it was a good match overall. And Huas has really improved. He's worked a lot of Evolve this year. And uh, we talked about that in the past with guys like Velveteen Dream and the Street Profits getting to work there. So that's been good for him. Uh, Pete Dunn picks up the win, obviously, which is the right call. And he's uh, you know supposed to be a regular going forward on the NXT brand, which is good.
1: Way more competitive than I thought. I saw Arturo, Arturo Hua come out there, and I was like, well, this dude's getting squashed. And then he went six minutes with Pete Dunn. I don't know if that was the the fully correct call but i guess if they've got some type of plans for artoa hua then may, maybe but i just don't know if they really have plans for this guy
0: yeah i don't think that they do i just think that they're trying to use them i I don't, I don't think i would have booked it as competitive a match i would have done beat him a little little more handling myself but at least it was a good match they, then, yeah. they, they uh, then announced that Dakota Kai is finally returning next week from her knee injury, and uh, so that Can't is wait. good news. Love <laughs> the, Dakota Kai. Uh, the, the real big dog of the World Wrestling Federation, so we're good to go That's with her being right. back. Uh, we stuck with the right. women. Xia uh, Lee defeated Aliyah in a minute and 50 seconds to be a pin. Overall, Xia looked good, but she did have a slip off the ropes. But to her credit, I will say that she rebounded quickly and did not let it phase her, which... You you know, mistakes are going to happen. The thing is, is like with developmental people, especially oftentimes you get that deer in headlights like, oh, shit, what do I do? And to her credit, she didn't do that. They just carried on. She beat Aaliyah. And, uh, you know, fine for what it was. They're going to hopefully start introducing more of the women's roster because they have a ton of women in developmental.
1: They do. And Aaliyah's been there Jeez, I remember her on breaking ground. Yeah. (laughs) She was on breaking ground. And I'll never forget like when she's just walking out and William Regal is like, all right, who are you? And she's like, I'm Aaliyah." It's like, cool. Who are you? (laughs) Uh I cannot forget that. Well the best part is when
0: she said, like, I'm kinda like a Kardashian. And Regal was yeah. like, what the fuck's a Kardashian? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll never forget the that exchange. Uh she's improved. She she's found more of her character uh with the, the Aaliyah and Bougie, whatever they call themselves. I'm sorry. Casey's gonna yell at me if you listen Born to and this. Born in
0: Bougie.
1: Born yeah. and Bougie, there you go. Vanessa Born. Um Yeah, so she's found herself in a in a good tag team spot, and they seemingly got plans for Xia Lee, so that's cool. They, like this is what I thought Pete Dunne and who I was gonna be. Just kind of a quick little two minute squash here.
0: They flipped, They swerved you, bro. They did. So uh, next up was supposed to be Kushida versus uh, Denzel Kickpads, and uh, Mister Denzel arrived, and uh, Fabian Eichner, Alexander Wolf, and um, fucking Barthel. What the hell is his first name? But, uh,
1: Marcel, Barthel.
0: Marcel, thank you. I can't. I don't know why I forgot that. But uh, the three Imperium members arrived, and they beat the shit out of poor Denzel. And the crowd wanted Walter badly, and they got Walter. Walter arrived. Everybody was happy. Imperium was here. I immediately was begging for a war games match with undisputed Era. <laughs> Walter says that uh, they are Imperium. The mat is sacred. They are here to restore honor to it. And from today on, those who disrespect that tradition, they will answer to him. Kushida arrived. My man was pissed off because they were taking his time. And uh, he ended up brawling with Imperium. Cleared the ring. Had a little uh, little, little tit there with Walter. And uh, basically challenged him to a match. And I am fucking fine with
1: Kushida versus Walter. Walter and Kushida are going to fucking bang whenever it happens i'm excited for that i thought this was good i was extremely worried because you know they announced that they were doing oni against leo rush as well and we knew they were doing riddle against killian dane and it's like man you are packing a lot of matches and then Dunn and who went longer than i think most expected so it's like man you're packing a lot of matches onto this show so when you got Kashida. Against Denzel kick pads, it's like, do they have time to do anything else? So I like the Imperium attack. I like that it was only the three of them at first. And, you know, the crowd was hot for Walter. And then his music hits, he comes out, he fucking destroys the guy some more, he cuts a promo. It's like, all right, they, you know, they didn't just give it to you right away. They, The crowd just being able to, to build up and it didn't, you know, you weren't sure if it was going to happen. And they delivered on it. I thought that was great. And I like that Kushida even came out and was like, hey, I'm supposed to have a match here. Uh, what the fuck are you guys doing? And I don't care if it's one-on-four, I'm coming after you guys. I thought that was great as well. I love this segment, and I love it even more that it's going to set up Walter and Kashida at some point.
0: Hell yes, dude. That is going to be some great stuff. Um... And we'll talk about it a little more after the next match too. But I really liked because Triple H just talked about integrating the quote unquote network properties into NXT as it goes to two hours. So right here we had the NXT UK brand brought in, which that is that's that'll be fun occasionally to use some of those guys. It gives them some more exposure. Hopefully helps to profile the NXT UK brand on the network a little bit as well. Plus again, if you. I like the idea of the guys being able to move around. Like I like when 205 Live guys and NXT people have gone to NXT UK and then moved around, and some of the NXT guys go to 205 Live. Because essentially, what you do when you have stuff like that is WWE has basically created like their own little mini territory system, and like when you're working on 205 Live, you're you're working in front of the more mainstream crowd. When you go to the UK, you're working in, in front of a totally different crowd as well, which is the guys in the territory will tell you the great part about when they would work like two or three different territories in a month is you're going to different crowds that expect different things. So you have to adjust your style. You have to play to the audience differently. Then you're also working with new people. So that's that's good for everybody that is in this in this bubble that they're in. You know, it's good. It'll get some guys more work. It'll mix things up. And I think that's a positive.
1: Yeah, NXT UK guys coming over. Obviously, Walter is the biggest guy there outside of, I guess, Dunn and Bate. Um, even then, that's debatable. You know, we've seen Rhea Ripley the past couple of weeks. There, There's talk that Tony Storm would show up. So integrating the NXT UK and, and the, the 205 Live, which we'll get to. Is a smart play. You've got two hours now. You've got more time to to feature those people. Um, and you know, if you've got that extra time, there's so much talent on this roster. So you, you may as well try to get them on there. I'm sure then we'll, when we get the independence on the WWE network and stuff, there they'll be going to all those areas. It, it's going to be a crazy time. But now NXT basically adds to their riches with members of the 205 Live and the NXT UK roster.
0: And it's smart because you're trying to build as strong a two-hour show as you can. And it also shows that you don't have to, quote-unquote, resort to pulling in main roster people.
1: No, not at all. Because you
0: don't have to. I mean, NXT by itself, just main NXT, has a shit ton of talent on there that we don't even see on a regular basis. And then add in all the 205 Live guys, because there's a lot of good guys on there, and then the full NXT UK roster. You have tons of people to pull from, and that's only going to make the possibility of this two-hour show going forward even better. Exactly. So, and then uh, speaking of the integration, we had a number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Leo Rush making his long-awaited return. Defeated Oni Lorcan, 10 minutes and 45 seconds via pin, Jeremy. Your thoughts?
1: obviously surprised to see leo rush uh i thought that was kind of he's been off television for for six months because of the reported backstage heat and, and attitude issues and everything there were reports a few months ago that he was coming back to nxt but then nothing happened and nothing happened so it's like all right when's it gonna happen and here it is it it happened so good to see leo rush super talented guy both in the ring on the microphone just really really talented he way too talented to just sit on the sidelines and as we've seen this week in wwe uh, guys are coming back that you didn't think you would really see because they're talented and it makes for a nice surprise and all hands are on deck right now and i'm I'm all for that so cool to see leo rush Great match against Only Lorkin. Love the match, love the finish. Um, and you know, Leo Rush is now the number one contender. So him and Drew Gulak will, I'm sure, have a great match on Takeover or WWE Pre Show or whenever they eventually wrestle.
0: Yeah, um, big return for Leo Rush. He got a he got a star reaction. I mean, you can't under understate that. He uh, the crowd treated him like a big star. They were thrilled to see him back. It was part surprise. Plus, it was. Part that they hadn't, Full Sail hadn't seen him in a long time. So he comes back. Yeah, really good match. They played so well off of each other because stylistically they are so different. Leo is the the smaller, faster-paced scrappy. He was the baby face here. And Oni Lorcan is just that uh, great brawling bully here. So that played off of each other really well. Again, I like the 205 Live guys getting some mix here because... As opposed to like this week's 205 live show when nobody could have mustered a single solitary fuck about that show in the live crowd. The Full sale people will treat these guys like stars. Because a lot of them are former indie guys and a lot of them work a style that they like. And it's just, they're like kind of like their guys. So having them pull matches and being added into this... Good idea, and again, you had a match here that felt important because there were actual stakes to it. It was a really good match, and you got the big return. You got a new contender. Again, came off just as well as you could have hoped, I think. I don't think you could ask for much more, honestly.
1: I wonder if you know, we talked about replacing NXT on the network, and 205 Live, they're, whatever they're going to be, is definitely up in the air now with smackdown moving to fridays and do you put this show on fridays at 10 o'clock on the wwe network and and hope people watch it or stick around or or whatever i wonder if they do essentially 205 live on the network wednesdays at 10 after nxt and you just do it in front of the full sale crowd you know the majority of those fans are going to stick around it's it's a small venue anyway um and they light it differently that was something we didn't really mention but it's lit a little bit differently it's a little bit darker so you it's it's a more intimate crowd setting they're going to be making noise and stuff it, it's guys that that full cell crowd is going to cheer for because they're there to see those types of guys they're not there to see the the roman reigns and, and the bigger stars that are presented on on smackdown so I, I wonder if that's the, the move they make and then they can kind of keep that brand synchronicity between NXT and 205 Live.
0: They need to do something to help that show. And I, I've said for a while, I mean, Full sale makes sense because, like I said, of the way the crowd will treat those guys. And that's more of the, the style of fan that's going to get into 205 Live as opposed to a SmackDown crowd that has already sat through two hours of SmackDown and has already seen the big stars. And then, like, you trot out the little fellers, and they're like, "Eh, all right, I guess we'll stay, you know, and not even that, because like half the time so many people leave, and I, I feel bad for those guys because they work really hard, but seems like nobody cares. uh It would be interesting, but also, I do think you're you're pressing it a little bit, though, if you do that because then you're you're asking people to sit through three hours, and are they still going to be hot in that third hour?"
1: that would be that that's certainly the issue is you're asking them to sit through three hours but i i know it's not every single week Like when they would tape those shows those shows would last three to three and a half hours and again that was monthly not weekly it's a different ask i because it is such a smaller crowd though i think you can and it is a crowd that's going to like they, they like this kind of wrestling. They they like the, the, these guys. So I, I think you, you can get away with it a little bit more. Otherwise, even though you're moving to two hours, if you're pulling from NXT UK, if you're pulling from 205 Live, yeah, it deepens your roster. You're still running to kind of those same issues of your roster is already so deep that you don't have room for everybody as it is. Two hours helps, but if you're pulling from two other brands now – you're running into that same issue of, all right, guys are going to be left off the show every week. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it just means we just don't have a spot for you. And that sucks because you're really talented.
0: Yeah, it's it's a hard position for them to be in. Hopefully they do figure out something because I, 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 I like 205 Live almost every week. I mean, this week was like a rare, not good show. But um, I would hate for that to end for a lot of those guys because – it's just I, I generally enjoy it, but uh, we'll see what happens. The main event of the show was the street fight, a this feud must continue match, Matt Riddle vs. Killian Dane. They just brawled way, right away, kicked the shit out of each other, used kendo sticks, they fought into the crowd, into the back, and then they fought outside by the uh the tractor trailer trucks, and Walter was hanging out at a little patio set, apparently having a coffee after his uh run-in with Kushida and he ended up getting involved in Imperium brawled and the fucking Street Prophets and Forgotten Sons brawled. Just like anybody who was backstage in NXT decided they were going to beat the shit out of each other. So everybody fought. Riddle and Dane fought back into the ring. Uh, security tried to break them up. Matt Riddle just started fucking suplexing security guys. Everybody spilled into the arena. Killian Dane hit a giant suicide dive onto a pile of bodies and... That closed out the show, it was a no contest, uh, just a complete, like a wild scene, like a, a big Attitude Era, closing show brawl, everybody trying to kill each other, it was it was a pretty hot ending, although, again, even though this wasn't on the USA portion, you can't go with that no BS moniker and then do a street fight, which technically has no rules, and then just do a no contest, that feels very WCW.
1: That was that was my issue with it as well is if you're going to promise that stuff, don't have a sports entertainment finish in a street fight. And the fact that it went off the air at nine minutes early, I thought they were just going to be like, well, fuck it. It's a brawl. It's a street fight. Who cares? Let's continue. Let them keep fighting. Let's have a winner in this match. But no, they, they went off the air nine minutes early. So I was like, all right. Then I guess that's what they're doing. It was hot. At least there was that. No one – that That is an advantage to, to running Full Sail, at least for now, is that that crowd was going to cheer for just about anything. And so even though this may have not looked the best on television, it came off better by the fact that the crowd didn't care and was like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. That helped it. You try this three months from now, don't know if it gets quite the same reaction, but for this first show – it worked out for him um regal announced afterwards but it hasn't been uh, officially confirmed yet that dane and riddle are gonna face off again next week and then the, the winner faces adam cole we'll see if, if that is the case i would i would assume it will be but uh, i'm oh no offense to killian dane i'm kind of over this feud even though it doesn't feel like it's lasted too long and it's been fun i'm ready to see matt riddle just beat him and, and move on
0: yeah, and the thing for me it's like I think Riddle has like big star potential on, you know, cable TV. Dude has a ton of charisma, he's great in the ring, and I just think that uh yeah, you you do need to kind of move on. And um him versus Cool, excuse me, would be interesting. Uh overall, I, I thought it was a really good debut for the 2-hour show. Uh I thought we got some really good wrestling. There was a ton of energy, the crowd was great. They set up Shanna versus Candice. Leah Rush made his return, became a title contender. We're probably getting Walter and Kushida, which I'm fucking hyped for. They announced uh, Dajakovic and Keith Lee for next week. Dakota Kai's returning. Undisputed Era fulfilled their prophecy. We had a mix of some 205 Live and U- UK talents. And I um, thought the show was pretty much a blast, man. It flew by for me. And I, I love any time a wrestling show just kind of goes quickly. And I don't even realize it's been as long as it has.
1: Yeah, I, it was a great show. There were some hiccups. There were some issues. But overall, as, as far as a, a wrestling product goes, it delivered what I wanted to deliver. I would assume they'll get kind of those hiccups and, and pacing issues worked out in, in the near future. But as, as far as a, a product, I thought it was great.
0: So we now move on, Jeremy, to Ring of Honor. It was announced this week by Ring of Honor that they have, quote-unquote, agreed to a contract buyout with TV champion Shane Taylor. But that Shane Taylor will still defend the TV title at the upcoming pay-per-view next week. For me, this (laughs) reeks of... Okay, first of all, they've been setting this up for a long time. They've had Shane Taylor complain that he's not on posters, not getting put in prime positions on shows, being ignored by management. So they've been setting this up for a while. But this wraps up two ROH tropes that I absolutely hate. First of all is the disgruntled employee angle. And that's topped off with the work-to-shoot angle. Just does nothing for me. Your thoughts? It's
1: it's dumb. I love Shane Taylor. I the this. You know he's on social media and like I'm gonna start my own promotion, Shane Taylor Promotions. Thanks ROH. It's basically they're running the a worked AEW angle where Shane Taylor is every member of the elite and he used ROH to build his name. So now he's starting his own promotion and I don't know what the end game is. (laughs) Like seriously, what is the end game to this angle? Shane Taylor is going to have his own show on TNT. He's got, what is the end game here, Larry? Can, can you tell me?
0: Uh, no. And I'll tell you what, I doubt bully Ray and lizard man have a fucking end plan for it either.
1: I I just don't know what they're trying to accomplish with this. I really don't. I don't understand what the point of this is. Because oh, it's a worked shoot. You're basically saying we've mistreated this guy by not putting him on the poster so much that he's going to leave our company and start his own company. it. I, I, just, I don't get it. I don't get any aspect of this. And he's still going to defend the TV title. Like, strip him of the title, if that's the case. Why are you still promoting this guy who wants to open up a competitive company? Did you learn nothing from All him? I don't get any of this shit.
0: It makes no sense. It's It's like... A desperation thing to try to get some attention. They're hoping people are going to buy into it. Oh, Shane Taylor's really leaving. He's serious. He's shooting on the company, brother. And it's like, ugh, it's, no, it's, it's no good. Here's a fucking idea. You have this big motherfucker who's a badass. Beats the shit out of people and knocks them out. And came out of nowhere and started having really good matches and has been a really good TV champion, and he can talk a little bit. Why not just promote him as a dominant TV champion that, I don't know, beats the shit out of people and talks a lot of shit and defends his title all the time and is a badass? I mean, it seems pretty that simple sounds, to me.
1: That sounds too deep. ROH loves these worked shoot angles that... I mean, we saw it at... G1 supercard, where they did the Enzo and Cast thing and then had no actual follow up to it. Now they're doing this. Maybe they have an end game, but I just don't get it. I and I can't even give them the benefit of the doubt because it's ROH and it's like you haven't earned any of that benefit of the doubt at this point. So th- I don't see anybody talking about this honestly. This is kind of, uh, we've ran the story on it and and that's about it. I don't know what it did for for views and stuff, but I I don't even think we ran like the follow-up stuff with with Shane Taylor announces announcing his own promotion. I've seen no one talk about this shit. Everybody basically immediately said, "Oh yeah, it's an angle. There's nothing to this." And it's like, "All right. Well, guess that settles that they've got nothing off of this Shane Taylor again, love him probably not the guy to do it with do this with Skrull I think you get attention because there's plenty of tie-ins to that do this with Shane Taylor this dude no offense not a big enough star to even think about like I can open my own promotion type of deal well
0: yeah that's the thing too is like The only reason it it works a very tiny bit, tiny, 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 tiny bit, is because they had set up a backstory to it. But the fact is, nobody believes it. And the other thing, like you said, Marty's a bigger star, and everybody knows his contract is coming up. You could do something with Marty that would come off more believable, or at least, if not believable, get more attention because of Marty's star power. And yeah, I like Shane a lot too. I think he's really good. I want him to. I want good things to happen for him. But this angle doesn't feel like that. I have no faith in them. When it comes to ROH, it's like this split thing for me. If you ask me if I have any faith in the booking of stuff, it's always a no. They have done nothing to earn my faith in regards to that. If it's a wrestling match. I have faith more in the wrestling side of things because a lot of the wrestling is good still, but the fact is, is like the product as a whole, as we talked about, is cold. And there's just such a disconnect because of there's nobody's into the stories, nobody's into Taven as champion except for Mark Radlich, who we love, even though he likes Matt Taven, I, but nobody's into that, you know. And there's just a disconnect with the storytelling. People are like, and there's even a disconnect to a point with the wrestling because I don't know how many times I do an ROH review and people were like, man, remember the weekends where you would always hear like two or three days later about ROH knocking out a match of the year candidate. And now it's like, well, they had some good stuff. And so there's even a disconnect for a lot of people in regards to the wrestling that don't even give them the benefit of the doubt anymore.
1: We've said it a million times. ROH used to have essentially the, the good, wrestling or the great wrestling market cornered the you know they, they had the best wrestling in the world when when they had punk brian joe kind of styles like that era of guys you do uh, low-key like you could not miss an roh show or you had to get the dvd that that era is long gone. And, I mean, they even had it past those guys, but I think that was kind of almost peak ROH. Well, that was like the golden era, yeah. Right, right. The, but they they even had that kind of market cornered past those guys. Those days are long gone. The You know, ROH is, they're not the best wrestling. You, you go to New Japan, AEW, NXT, like, that's now the best wrestling. So what do they do well. They don't do storylines well. They they don't have like they don't do women's wrestling. God damn, they do not do women's wrestling well. So what do they do well? They they don't even do like uh, nostalgia well. Like, fucking Impact is doing that better with all the ECW shit they're doing, you know? Well, I wouldn't ROH, say that's good, but... Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, you know, ROH could, could at least do that. They could have some of the, the nostalgia stuff when they they bring back, like, Lance Storm for one match against Daniel Bryan or, or things like that. They, you know, bringing in Japanese talent. They don't even do that the best because New Japan won't even send them, like, their, their, their best people and it, because new Japan is so accessible to the American audience, like when a Kenta or, um, w- would come over and work in an ROH match. Like it felt like a big deal. Now it doesn't feel like a big deal. Cause okay. If Okada comes over and works in an ROH match, which he's not doing, it's like, eh, we can see Okada anytime we want on new Japan world. So whatever, like they, they don't have any market in wrestling cornered.
0: They really don't. And it's, uh, it's kind of a shame to see how it's fallen because there's no sense of them turning anything around. You don't get a feeling that they're, they're on the cusp of something or there's a groundswell that they're building up to something. And I wish War I could Matt say... Matt Taven. I mean, I wish I could say that I see something on the horizon that things are going to change and it's going to get better. And I, I just don't. And again, it's not that it's a bad product it's just a product that feels almost impossible to invest in, which may be even worse than it being a bad product
1: it's it's not good um, and you're gonna make me preview the the show next week damn right because I
0: mean <laughs> nobody may watch it but it's a good card on paper <sighs>
1: Awesome. By the way, speaking,
0: speaking of great wrestling, have you managed to catch any of the uh, the
1: Super J Cup matches? No, I'm okay. I'm so far behind that I just finished the destruction matches today. That's so okay. I'm lucky just, I'm up on that uh, Super J Cup. I might actually have time the Thursday, Friday, and part of this weekend. I, I so will tell I, you
0: there are two matches you absolutely have to see. I know I
1: got to see Osprey and
0: red, and you have to see Osprey and show.
1: And yeah, I figured, and of course, my boy show. Um, I figured I'd have to see just about any Oscar match. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I plan on it. It's just a matter of, of finding time. I'm binge-watching Breaking Bad, and I've seen it before. But anybody who's seen Breaking Bad know it's worth watching again. And sorry, wrestling. You'll always be there. I need to get a Breaking Bad fix.
0: Fair enough, man. But, yeah, the uh... – Depending on who you talk to, I like the Red match a little more than the show match, but I know people that like the show match a little more, but they're both um, top-tier Osprey matches to go along with the long list of stuff he's put on this year. The uh, The Red match is just like, seeing Red in 2019 having a match like that was like heartwarming. Because I watched a ton of early Red, obviously ROH and then TNA, and it's like Red was always a guy before the injuries I thought would have gotten a lot farther, you know, and then he just kind of got broken down, and he comes out there, and you Osprey dude, just did absolutely, because he wanted that match so bad, and like I thought, he did absolutely everything he could to give Red, like, the best match of his life, and that if it's going to be it for Red, that he has something to hang his hat on, you know, so it was just spectacular stuff, greatly enjoyable, and also um, reports of that match being like 45 minutes were greatly fucking exaggerated. I think it was like 26 or 28, so some people don't know how to work fucking stopwatch.
1: Weren't there like a 30-minute time limit on those Super J-Cup matches anyway?
0: I don't know. It's just I remember someone telling me that was there, like, it was like 40 minutes, man. I'm like, oh. then I watched it and it was over. I'm like, okay, you and I have drastically different definitions of 40 minutes, but all right. So, but what are you gonna do? Uh, we're gonna move on to New Japan Pro Wrestling, or stick with it technically. New Japan Pro Wrestling Destruction in Beppu took place on the 15th. Jeremy started off with uh, did you end up watching the whole card?
1: I did. I, okay, yeah, I, we can run through these multi man tag matches oh, that yeah. all blended together, though.
0: Uh, start off Young Lions Cup action. Carl Fredericks defeated Yota suji Seven uh, minutes via uh, submission. Thought it was a good opener. Fredericks uh, looks really good. And uh, Yota, I think, is really stepping up. And uh, I think down the line may be a really good heel.
1: I, I've enjoyed the Young Lions Cup. I've actually gone back and watched the majority of it. And as far as this match goes yeah good stuff i i like fredericks i he's kind of growing on me i don't know if he is uh their kind of main guy here i get him and coughlin confused i'm sorry or Coughlin, um but i i like uh i like carl fredericks i thought he was good in this match
0: yeah, he, he's really good. Uh, next up was Shooter Umino defeating Alex Coglin eight oh five via pin. Another good match. Uh, Umino picking up the win uh, moved him into a tie for first place at this point. Uh, yeah, just good stuff here and uh enjoyable match. Uh, didn't overstay its welcome and uh, hit everything it needed to hit.
1: Another fine Young Lions Cup match. We've talked about the Young Lions a million times. They can have. Solid short matches because they stick to what they know, don't overdo themselves, and they're well trained.
0: Exactly. And uh, again, the LA Dojo Lions are showing they've been uh, shown marked improvement for, since the G1 tour because they got to work with uh, a lot of experienced guys, which is what they needed. Uh, next up is your boy Ren Narita, Yu um Taguchi, and Yuji Nagata defeating. Michael Richards, the low man on the um, Young Lions uh, totem pool. Clark Connors, Tohenari, and Nakanishi, uh, 11 minutes via submission. Thought they had a good match. The Young Lions worked their asses off here, and the dads played their roles very well.
1: Your typical dad's Young Lions match.
0: Basically so. Uh, next up, Yo and Jushin Liger defeated uh, Minoru Suzuki, Kenamaro, and Doki at 10 minutes and 20 seconds via pin. Uh, pretty good little match, but uh, the Liger-Suzuki stuff as always was the highlight.
1: Love the Liger-Suzuki interactions. I like it. We're getting that match at some point, hopefully soon. I, I would imagine King of Pro Wrestling, um, but we we'll see if they wait it out a little bit longer than that. Rapongi rules. I love. I really love the the team of Rapongi and, and Liger. It's just such a it's a fun mix of three guys because I big fan of Roppongi. Liger's obviously a legend, so I, I really like that mix. Suzuki is Suzuki. I don't care about Kanemaru or Doki.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a dad take your kids to work day, Jushin Thunder Dad taking young Show and Yoda to the workplace to show them how to do things. Yeah, it's a it is a fun little trio. A uh, post match Suzuki attacked, tried to unmask Liger, uh, then he kicked the shit out of a bunch of young lions. Liger got on the mic and offered to fight him right now, but Suzuki teased it and then walked off. I want this match badly.
1: Yes, agreed. So,
0: uh Bullet Club, which was El Phantasmo, Taiji Ishimura, Yujiro Takahashi, Kenta, and Bad Luck Fale, defeated Robbie Eagles, Will Ospreay, Hanma, Makabe, and Abushi. served as a fine setup for the junior tag title match and the Kenta versus Ibushi match.
1: Yeah, Bullet Club winning maybe a little bit surprising since we know the result of the tag team match that, that followed the following night but I guess they wanted to keep Kenta strong um I guess Bullet Club is an actual team so you may as well give them the win it, it was a, again, a multi-man tag team match
0: Next up, Sonata, Bushi, and Shingo defeated Okada, Hiroki Goto, and Rocky Romero. 10 minutes 45 seconds via submission as Sonata picks up the win with Skull End. Uh, as usual, a good LIJ versus Chaos match, which continued to build to Shingo versus Goto as well as Okada versus Sonata.
1: Yeah, it was fun.
0: Uh, next up, you had Naito and Evil defeating Jay White and Chase Owens. Uh, It was the basic match they've been running all tour. Naito and a member of LIJ defeating Jay White and one of the Bullet Club B members. It was good. White versus uh, the Naito build continues. It was exactly what it's been all tour long.
1: It, it, it was fine i feel like i'm just saying these matches are fine they're it's multi-man tags where their whole goal is to set up the already announced singles matches and most of these guys are just taking it easy and i can't say i blame them
0: yeah. uh next up iwgp tag team champions the Gorillas here of Destiny. Go. Defeated Yoshihashi and Big Tom Ishii fourteen forty-five via pin after Kenta distracted uh, Yoshihashi and Tonga cradled him with the tights for the win. Your thoughts?
1: I thought this match was boring as shit early. <laughs> uh, I did not care for it. Like, Guerrilla's of destiny. I had hopes for them after the Briscoes feud and they had the, the good matches with the Aussie Open. Or the good match with Aussie Open this one didn't do a whole lot for me yoshihashi just don't care for him at all my favorite part was uh him and and Tonga do the like rope crossing spot and stuff and Tonga goes for the gun stun and hashi falls backwards instead of forwards and it's like oh my god how did y'all screw that up they made an Ishii match kinda of boring, honestly. I, I felt bad for Ishii in this one. The closing stretch was alright, but didn't didn't care for this match. Just just boring.
0: Fair. I thought the finish was uh very anticlimactic. I actually thought it was good, but um obviously not a normal Ishii match, which are traditionally pretty great. So and uh the girls Destiny remain your champions. And we move on to the main event, Jeremy. Your boy, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to win back the Rev Pro Championship.
1: Well, they're never going to have a bad match. Tanahashi can be in a walker and Zack Sabre can be in a wheelchair. And they will toss that shit aside and still put on like a four-star match because... That's what these guys do. That's what they did here. It was probably over four stars. I don't know what you gave it, but it was probably over four stars. They can't have a bad match because their styles just blend so well. Tanahashi with his selling, Zack Sabre with his uh, manipulation and everything. This match was great. I don't want to see them wrestle again for at least eight months, maybe a year. It's great every time. I just need something new.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I want four and a half on it, by the way. And, um, yeah, I love these two. I love their matches. But, yeah, they need time apart for a while. Zach has now evened up the series at four apiece. And it's time to give it a break. Um, they've had great matches all year and every, every time out. I thought this one was probably the best they had this year. I thought they worked a really smart match, great layout. I thought the pacing, um, it just played really well off the previous matches. Uh, Tanahashi, basically, he didn't go too high risk, but, uh, unfortunately, he tried to play into Zach's game a little too much, and, uh, when you come with the king, you better not miss, because Tanahashi done fucked up, and, uh, got beat and lost his title. Couldn't out, uh, grapple the, uh, submission master, and paid the price, and we have our new champion. Really, really enjoyed this match. Thought it was excellent.
1: So. in no issue... With this match, as far as just match quality, just I'm kind of tired of seeing it. And I'm going to say the same thing about Okada and Sonata uh, a month from now because it's probably going to be another great match, but it's also just a match that we can cool it on for a little bit. As great as these matches are, you get burnout on them.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I agree. It is. You have to have to have a, a little bit of a time between and break it up a bit, especially the... uh the feud you just mentioned Zack and Tanahashi as well as Okada and Sonata so we move on to Destruction in uh, Kikishima and we start off again Young Lions actions Yuya Uemura finally gets off the schneid and picks up a win over Clark Connors good match uh, really enjoyed it Uemura's been working hard but hadn't been picking up wins and finally gets on the board
1: Fine Young Lions match. Um, maybe even better than fine. I, I thought this match was uh, pretty solid. Clark Connors, another guy from the, the LA Dojo, um, who has been impressive in this tournament.
0: Yeah, he's really good. Oh, uh, maybe when you watch through the Super J stuff, his uh, his match with TJP is really good too, by the way. Okay. Uh, that's really good. Uh, next up, your boy Ren Narita defeated Michael Richards via pin. Michael Richards continues to be... A struggle at times. He is definitely the low man on the Lions totem pole coming out of the Fawley dojo. Just um, not up to the standards as a lot of the other guys.
1: Okay, even my man Ren Narita could not carry Michael Richards to a great match here. Ren Narita been killing this tournament though. Yeah,
0: he's been doing really good. He looks really good. Again, that uh, that best of Super Junior run really helped him. Man, I was just getting those matches against more experienced guys all the time and. Getting longer matches, too, just really helped him out. Uh, moving on to our tag team undercard stuff. Uh, Nakanishi, Hinari, Carl Fredericks, and Coughlin defeated Nagata, Taguchi, Shooter Umino, and uh Just under 10 minutes. Pretty good. Uh, you know, dads take their kids to work match. Lions worked really hard. Everybody played their roles well.
1: It was young Lions dad match.
0: Yep. Uh, next up, Big Tom Yoshihashi Yo and Sho defeated Tamatonga Tangaloa, Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens when Yo fucking pinned Tangaloa.
1: Get the titles on Roppongi. I know they they switched up the the cards a little bit. Get the titles on Roppongi. Yeah.
0: Um. Def- perfectly solid match with a surprise ending because. Uh, it's very rare in New Japan, if you guys follow, that the juniors actually pinned the heavyweights. And uh, in theory, this should set up a title match with 3K and the Gorillas. They faced earlier this year and had a short match, uh, which uh, G.O.D. won. And um, I think they could have a really good match because 3K are great. And we've seen this year that when uh, the G.O.D. wants to step up, they can have good matches.
1: They, assuming they, they face Rapongi down the line, it'll probably be good because Sho and Yo are awesome. And yeah, the Tamatanga and Tangaloa, when they want to be, they can be good.
0: Yep. Next up, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Togi Makabe, Hanma, and Jushin Liger defeated Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Kenamara, and Doki 10 minutes via disqualification when Minoru Suzuki went wild with chair shots on uh, Liger. And then he uh, unmasked Liger post-match and uh, posed on the turnbuckles with Liger's mask in his mouth. The best part about it, it was a good match, but the best part about it is Suzuki unmasks Liger and this fucking arena went silent. These people were mortified that he unmasked the legend and stood there and celebrated. So that got over really well, and then Liger got on the mic, said Suzuki crossed the line and vowed to get his revenge. Give um, me this the, match, Jeremy.
1: The the match was fine. The post-match angle fucking ruled because, yeah, Suzuki beats the shit out of Liger, unmasked, him. The crowd is just dead, but dead in the best possible way, not dead because it's like, it, it sucked. Dead in the, like, just stunned dead. And, you know, Suzuki is laughing like a madman, just the fucking best person in the world. Liger gets covered up with towels, and he's like, all right, motherfucker. Like, you've gone too far now. So if this is what you want to do, fuck, uh, you know, swinging chairs at each other and shit, I'm just going to whoop your ass now. I love this post-match angle. Just go ahead, book this match. I cannot wait for it.
0: Seriously, I know. I, I want to see it so bad. All the build stuff has been so good. Liger's just be, trying to be the respectful wrestle dad, and Suzuki is just such an asshole. So great. Uh, moving on, uh, Okada, um, Goto, and Rocky Romero defeated Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. Uh, like all tour long, it was a good match that built up to the upcoming singles matches, but I am so much more pumped for Goto and Shingo than Okada versus Sonata.
1: Yeah, same. Okada, Sonata, we've seen plenty of times. Goto and Shingo, much fresher. Shingo, especially coming off the the G One. Goto, he he's a guy, and I know he gets made fun of a lot for that. He can obviously raise his level, and Shingo will have him raise his level. Yeah, they, it'll be great. It's it's just fresher.
0: Yeah, they had a great match in the G One too. So exactly, I'm, just, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for it because. You know, they've worked together now in the singles. They've had some tag matches. All their their exchanges have been really good. So I, I think this match has a definite chance to be way better than the G1 match, which I thought was great. So uh, Naito and Evil defeated Jay White and Yujiro 12 minutes. Pretty good. A little bit flat uh, post-match. Jay White low blows Naito because he's an asshole.
1: It's the same Jay White-Naito tag team match you've watched all tour.
0: Yep. Co-main event of the evening, champions El Phantasma and Taiji Ishimori defeated the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay, and Robbie Eagles 23 minutes via pin. It took a little bit to get going, but I thought it was great. I think they played off of the established feuds really well, featured some great teases of a title change. Uh Osprey and Eagles have some amazing teamwork already. Easily the best thing on the show and one of the best matches on the destruction tour so far.
1: Strong strong match with you. I aside from that it, it was the best match on the night, um oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think it was the best match on the between the two shows. Uh, aside from Zack Sabre and, and Tanahashi. I haven't watched the full Road to Destruction shows, but I can't imagine you there's been... Be. Yeah. Considering it's just a lot of the same iteration of multi-man tag matches, I can't imagine there was anything to this level. Great match. You put these four guys in the ring against each other. It's tough to have a bad match. Osprey's just awesome like i i love this guy he might be my favorite wrestler in the world to watch right now because i just his athleticism is is spectacular and he's got everything down pat and you know eagles can certainly keep up a phantasmo and ishimori can all keep up and so strong tag team match didn't i i put this behind Zack Sabre and, and Tanahashi because the opening portion was a little too slow. Um, and it felt a little bit longer than than 23 minutes. It, not like too much longer. It felt maybe 25 minutes. but So n- not anything egregious, but still fantastic match. And definitely if you're going to watch anything from this show, this would be the match to watch.
0: Definitely. Um, so we move on to the main event of the evening, which was... Kota Ibushi defending his Wrestle Kingdom title shot that he won in the G1 against Kenta. Kenta beat him on night one of the G1. They had a great match. It was a kind of kickboxing, striking style match. Just really great stuff. And going into this match, Jeremy, there were two thoughts. Kind of two states of thoughts here. One was they had a great match in the G1 and definitely have the potential to do it again. And the other side of it was something you brought up on the last show, which was there's still a lot of concern over will Kenta be okay enough for this match coming off of getting knocked to fuck out at uh, Royal Quest.
1: Kenta was not up for this uh, You go ahead. What did you think of this match, Larry?
0: Okay. Because
1: well- I've seen... It's divided. The, the timeline is divided on this one.
0: So it started off, Kenta charged and attacked, beat the shit out of Abushi before the bell, hit him with the brief, briefcase, and then destroyed it. So they did the whole doctor checking on Abushi. The crowd is rallying for Abushi because it's his hometown. And of course, Abushi's going to fight because he's an awesome baby face. What they did from there on... Was 26 minutes of fucking trash. I have seen people say that this was an amazing heel performance by Kenta. It was an amazing babyface performance by Ibushi. Which I will say that Abushi was great. But they went total sports entertainment to the extreme here. They tried to create sympathy in Ibushi's hometown with that, that attack. And then they just had Kenta repeatedly beat the shit out of him for 26 minutes. We got interference from the Gorillas of Destiny. Ishii and Hashi ran them off. But here's the real fucking problem with this match besides the fact that it wasn't any good. If you pay attention to this match, and it's the fact that nobody's really talking about it, this match was completely booked to heavily protect Kenta, who was not in any way fully fucking recovered from Royal Quest. The striking exchanges were mild at best. I think Kenta maybe took three legitimate bumps in 26 minutes. He took 95% of the match, And it went long simply because it was the main event and they felt they needed to deliver a long match. Not all fucking matches need to be long. And here's the other thing. You didn't have to book this match on this night. You know why, Jeremy? Because Evil was waiting in the wings. Evil beat Ibushi during the G1. You easily could have said... Evilly, there you go. Freudian slip, I guess. You easily could have said that... Kenta is not medically cleared because of Royal Quest. Evil beat Ibushi, he gets the shot on this show. And then you get a good main event, and then you do Kenta on the 14th at King of Pro Wrestling. But no, they did this match. I can't explain the booking, it didn't work. I I can't believe anybody thought this was a spectacular masterpiece of storytelling and match of the year candidate. It was nowhere clear, to, nowhere near good. It didn't play to anybody's strengths outside of Ibushi being a good sympathetic babyface, but it would have been hard for him not to be in his hometown. This thing felt like it lasted for a fucking hour. I was begging for it to end 15 minutes in. It was booked to protect Kenta, that's all. Because he wasn't healthy. He's still roughed up. And honestly, if that is the case, because I really do think it is, if he wasn't fucking ready for this match, New Japan needs to fucking reevaluate how they do shit, because that was some bullshit, and not only could he have ended up more hurt, but he could have fucking hurt Ibushi in this thing. Much like we talked about with the Ishii match. They're lucky nobody got seriously hurt. So yes, I thought this was fucking trash.
1: You're completely wrong on every single level, Larry. Let me tell you why this match was great. It was a completely different style than what you expect from New Japan. You know, you expect this hard-hitting, great matchup, kind of like their, their G1 match, where it's just a striking exchange and just two gladiators doing battle. And New Japan is like, no, 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 no. We got to change this up. We're going to book WWE style. We're going to give you WWE main event where the heel dominates, the babyface has to fight from underneath. You get the the run-ins and all that stuff. And then in the end, the babyface gets the big hometown victory, which I guess doesn't always happen in WWE. But that's my point. They did WWE better than WWE. This was a statement by New Japan saying, you, you WWE fans, this is what you like. This is what we're going to give you. And we're going to do it better than them. That's what Gato was doing here. Do not doubt the mastermind Gato.
0: You are so fucking full of shit. This match, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't like this match. Uh, I'm with you. It was I was trying to play devil's advocate uh, or just work in a gimmick. Uh, it felt forever. It really did. It, I thought this. I'm not gonna lie to you. I started watching this on Monday night, and it was a little late. It was maybe midnight 12 30 when the match started that's not too terrible for me i usually go to bed around two did you
0: finish around 5 p.m wednesday i yeah i
1: fell asleep during this match i just could not i'm like ah fuck this i'm going to bed uh yeah i finished it wednesday morning i did not care for this match it went way too long it was a different style like there's there's no doubt about that the problem is this isn't the style that we're we're used to in new japan and okay that that's fine if you if it's still good. This wasn't good. I'm with you that it was just done to protect Kenta. I don't think Kenta could work his usual style, and so they had to change it up. They they worked this kind of match. They did the the run-in where Ishii and, and Hashi basically did a tag team match with with Grills of Destiny for like two minutes. And it was all because I don't think Kenta could actually go. And of course he couldn't actually go. The man got knocked out two weeks ago. Why would anyone think he could wrestle again two weeks later? I don't care if they said he didn't have a concussion. He was clearly knocked the fuck out, like Chris Tucker would say. He was done. He could not wrestle two weeks later. It was painfully obvious. And this match never should have been booked. Never should have been booked if, if they couldn't deliver what many were were hoping that they would do, even if they could, don't take that risk. The man got knocked out two weeks ago. What the hell is wrong with y'all?
0: Exactly, and it's just, uh, I can't can't believe that there are people talking, okay, first of all, let me clarify this. It's okay if you liked the match and thought it was great, okay? Don't get me wrong there. That is your personal opinion. If you enjoyed this and thought it was some masterpiece, fine. But the thing that's bothering me is that all these people that are praising it, like I said, nobody, nobody is fucking talking about the implications about Kenta and his health. He was in no way ready to go in this match. I'm sorry, when you're like, when these strikes are like less dangerous than what my seven year old throws. And my man only takes three bumps, and they weren't even, like, hard... Bu- they were, like, get hit and, like, kind of lay down on your side bumps. I mean, they were they were taking no chances trying to protect him throughout. And I guess on top of Ibushi's baby face, fire, and everything, I guess I will at least give him credit for protecting Kenta and not knocking him the fuck out again. But yeah, it shouldn't have been booked. They should have called an audible and went with the Evil match and then hoped that Ibushi would have been ready to go here at King of Pro Wrestling. There's no reason you couldn't have changed that around. All you had to do was take Evil out of his match, make it a regular tag match. You're not hurting anything by not running the same fucking match for the 18th time on the tour. Would have made more sense. I think it was a horrible call by New Japan. And I'm really shocked that people are not talking about... Just the whole thing that Kenta really shouldn't have been working at this point.
1: I'm with you. I'm not saying that people are wrong if they they like this match. You you like no, what it's you personal like.
0: opinion, man. I mean, I I understand that some people probably thought it was a great piece of storytelling. I disagree, but it's just you can't discount the whole Kenta got knocked
1: the fuck out and shouldn't have been in the ring here. Exactly. I I don't know what New Japan was thinking with this we again i it's that japanese mentality sure i don't buy that he was fine you know he went from the hospital he said he was fine we saw it We, we saw the 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 footage i don't know what kind of doctors they got in new japan or just in japan to where they said he was fine we saw the footage he was knocked the hell out he could not He could not get up to the the turnbuckle after the match. He slipped, fell, busted his ass. He he nearly killed Ishii on on multiple occasions. He nearly killed himself on multiple occasions uh, during that match. He was not fine. He should not have been wrestling two weeks later in any capacity. I don't even care if it's a multi-man tag match where he doesn't tag in. He just should have been given the time off. That would have been the smart thing to do.
0: I think uh, Gato hired Doctor Nick from the fucking Simpsons. Doc, is he good to go? <laughs> hey, everybody, he's fine. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know, man. Just a horrible, horrible call overall, and I just um, yeah. So we will move on, Jeremy, to the final night of the Destruction Tour, which is which is taking place this weekend. For a quick preview, Destruction in Kobe. Start off young Lions action. The young Lions cup will be decided on this night. We have two matches Ren Narita versus Clark Connors and Shooter Umino versus Carl Fredericks. Um, we have matches going on in between, so it's going to be hard to call. I think it's going to come down to Narita and Shooter winning their final matches, probably. Um, But uh, who do you think? Is it going to be Ren Narita or Shooter Umino taking the title? I mean, technically I think Carl uh, Fredericks will be in it by the last night as well, but who do you think is taking this overall?
1: You know who I'm going with. Going with my man Ren Narita. Well,
0: hopefully when he wins the uh, the winner's purse, he can afford a good hairdresser.
1: So I'll send him the money for a good hairdresser just to get you to stop knocking my man's hair game.
0: Well, I mean, I'd knock his hair a game if he had one, but that's just, that's part <laughs> of the problem. And uh, no, obviously, I think um, Narita and Umino, I think, are the favorites, and then you have Carl Fredericks, definitely an outside chance. He's gotten some good run. Um, I don't really think. I, I think you go with Narita or Umino, honestly, just because they are the most senior ones, and I think they are the best and most complete young lions overall. And, um, but yeah, I think it's easily one of those two. Uh, I'll go Shooter, just because he's kind of my guy. But I think either way, they're in good hands. And I think that we've learned so far throughout the Young Lions Cup that um, outside of Michael Richards, the future is definitely really bright with the Young Lions because they've all shown a lot of promise. The L- the LA guys have come along really well. I think, honestly, while, while Carl Fredericks has a maybe a better look and more size... Clark Connors, to me, is the more complete performer. And uh, Coughlin and Fredericks are kind of jockeying for position overall talent-wise. But Fredericks has a better look and will probably get a little more due to that. And uh, Yota and Yuya are doing really well. And uh, Michael Richards is this kind of a guy. And I think that comes from, uh, comes from being in the family dojo and not getting a lot of time to work with the experienced guys he needs to.
1: And from coming from Seinfeld.
0: Sure. So every time I post a review, someone may, is it the guy from Seinfeld? <laughs> I'm like, you guys have been doing this for two weeks now. Really? It's like, it's like... <laughs> that's
1: how I do it, just to troll you, because I know you read all those comments.
0: Obviously. <laughs> so uh, we start off in our slew of multi man tags Nagata, Suji, and Yuomura versus Nakanishi, Coglin, and Michael Richards
1: the Nagata the, the will win.
0: Team Nagata, they're, they're beating Michael Richards punk ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Makabe Hanma and Toa Hanare versus bad luck, Falle, Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens.
1: Chase Owens loses. Cause that's what Chase Owens does,
0: right? Uh, I, yeah, I actually, I'm going bullet club here. Cause I think they're a Falle win because, um, it's new Japan and you have to keep Falle strong for reasons. No. <laughs> that's, that's what Gator says. Trust me.
1: <laughs> no. We don't need to keep it valid. Where's my man Lance Archer to kill all these fools?
0: Oh, God, I wish. So, uh, moving on. Tanahashi, Liger, Tiger Mask, and Rocky Romero versus Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Kennevar, and Dookie. The Suzuki Gun uh, battling Liger and Tanahashi continues here. I'm going with Suzuki-gun. Although we could see another DQ, but as long as I get Suzuki and Lager beating the shit out of each other, I will be happy.
1: And that's all I want. I just want them to try to kill each other.
0: Yeah, hopefully, I, I hope that they set up the match here and we or give give a date. It doesn't have to be King of Pro Wrestling because you have another big event coming after that. Just we need to need to kind of start locking that down. I, I want the match badly. So um. We uh, we, st- we mixed up the tag uh, match coming up next a little bit. Big Tom Yoshihashi, Will Ospreay, and now Sho and Yo facing off with Kenta, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Taiji Ishimori, and El Phantasmo. Uh, Sho and Yo got put in the match after beating Gorillas of Destiny, and Abushi and Eagles were moved to another match because of that. A uh, lot of talent in the match has potential to be good, and we're... Hopefully, building to a um, we're building to an Ishi versus Kenta rematch, probably for the NEVER title, and I think we're building to Three K versus Gorilla's of Destiny, possibly both for Kings of Wrestling, King of Wrestling.
1: I I like that they they mixed up the the matches because of the Roppongi defeating uh Gorillas a Destiny. I think that was a cool thing that they're able to do. It you know, it makes the makes things more fluid, makes things more meaningful. I'm looking forward to this. There's a lot of good talent in this. And then there's Kenta, who still shouldn't be wrestling.
0: Yeah, probably not the Hashi. best idea. I think even worse is if they're going to book a rematch with Ishii.
1: God, I, I hope not. Don't don't put those two guys in the ring against each other because really, Kenta just shouldn't be in the ring at all in this match. Just stay on the sidelines, chill, do nothing. Yoshihashi as well, y'all chill. Take these two out of this match. Uh, this is a much better match. Probably, yeah.
0: Uh moving on, Okada, Obushi, and Robbie Eagles face off with Sonata, Evil, and Bushi. Uh so we're continuing to build to Okada and Sonata and now Evil versus Abushi, both for King of Pro King of Pro Wrestling. Uh and um yeah, and then um you know, Robbie Eagles and Bushi. What? K Pow. K yeah, there you go. Uh, Robbie Eagles and Boucher, are there probably just to be workhorses. One of them will take the pin, but I'm going with the LIJ win here because I think you want Sonata and Evil looking good as the challengers going into the big show.
1: That makes sense. I'm with that. I And I'm looking forward to this match. It should be fun. Yeah.
0: And then moving on to the co-main event, my most anticipated match of the evening, Shingo versus Goto, buddy. Haas, Haas match version 2 of 2019 between these guys. They faced on uh, night 18 of the G1. Shingo won. that a great hard-hitting match. Throwing bombs, beating the shit out of each other. This should be great. I know people like, as you mentioned, people like to make fun of Goto and his booking and stuff. But the fact is, when he gets put in a big match, Goto can deliver. I think that they'll have a banger here. I think Goto sh- or Shingo should win but I kind of fear that they're going to have Goto win here and maybe set him up as a challenger to Naito uh, for the IC title. I hope I'm wrong. Don't
1: don't do that. Shingo should win here to set him up for a challenger to Jay White in the IC title. Well, you're smoking crack because that's not going to happen. I'm smoking weed, not crack. Um, I... I, Shingo should win. Honestly, he should. He should. I assume he's a heavyweight now. Yeah, um, he is. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm sure he announced that, and I just completely forgot about it. Um, so he he should win the win this match. And Goto, he's he's a guy. And no offense to him, match should be great. They, as you said, they had a great match for uh, at the G1. Um, Shingo's awesome. I, I want them to push Shingo. I don't want Shingo to get into kind of that Sonata role where he's just kind of around. You know he can do more, but he just kind of keeps losing these matches that he probably should win. I, I hope they have a little bit more of a plan with Shingo. And to prove that, don't have him lose the Goto.
0: Completely agreed. He should win. Main event of the evening, Intercontinental Champion Totsuya Naito battling jay white this is again a rematch from night 18 of the g1 where jay white defeated naito in what i felt was a kind of disappointing match a little too much style and bullshit over substance um they obviously have the ability to have a great match um I, i like jay white a lot man but i just i think that they get into that fucking like we we talked about the randy orton box of matches and Gato gets into this box with Jay White where sometimes he only feels like he can work one kind of match. And that's like the farthest thing from the truth, really. Because I've seen a lot of great Jay White stuff that doesn't need that stuff. Uh, Naito is obviously really banged up between his neck and knees. But in the big matches, he goes. So I have faith that if they can keep the overbooking down that they can have a great match. I think it'll be better than the G1 match they had, as long as they can, like, avoid a lot of that. And again, I think the most important, th- important thing is to not pigeonhole Jay White into that one style of match. He doesn't always need Gator's distraction. He doesn't need outside interference. He doesn't need a cherry. doesn't need a low blow. You know, sometimes heels win just because they are better. And that makes for a better story in matches. So you don't always have to do the cheap bullshit win. Hopefully they avoid a lot of that. I think Naito retains. Hopefully in a great match.
1: That is my fear as well as the Jay White kind of bullet club interference. Too much shenanigans. Too much heel stuff. Jay White is a tremendous heel. But doesn't mean he has to do kind of the, the same gimmick every single time to get that heat. Like he's good enough to get that heat without all of the the, the ref distractions and the Gato interference and the other Bullet Club interference and stuff like that. He's he's good enough to to do without that. He's proven that time and time again. I think Jay White wins, mainly because I don't know exactly where they're going with Naito. I know they're setting up, at least it seems to be they're setting up, this whole two-night Tokyo dome thing where Whoever, somebody's going to walk out of the, the second night with the IC and the uh, IWGP heavyweight title. I think Jay White wins here, and I think they do the rematch between White and Naito on night one, along with Ibushi and Okada. And then you have the two winners, which my assumption is Naito and Ibushi uh, on, on night two. So I, that's my prediction on where they're going.
0: Fair enough, it would probably, I think it would shock a lot of people because I think most people are expecting Naito to win, kind of get his win back here. Um, not the worst idea, I'll give you that. And again, I, it would surprise me. So again, that's not always a bad thing. I just, I hope they can avoid a lot of this, the fucking bullshit Bullet Club bullet club heel tropes here. Because I've seen a lot of great JY match, white matches before this run that did not involve all that stuff. He doesn't need it. And that's my biggest thing. If it was adding the matches and it wasn't all the time, I would have a different take on it. But it it comes off as lazy and repetitive and I think doesn't really help Jay White, which is why you have a lot of split opinions on Jay White. There are a lot of people that think Jay White is absolutely great. And then there are people that think, well, Jay White's pretty good, but why is his stuff all the same bullshit? And I think they want to believe he can be great. And they're just kind of turned off by that, which I, I don't... I don't begrudge them that at all. Cause it annoys me a lot of the time as well. Cause there's a lot of time, like I'll think he's having like an outstanding match and then it just, it goes into the same thing. And just, I think we need to avoid that. We don't need it all the time. And it, it honestly, it's one of those things that when you do it all the time, it means less when you need it to matter.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I hope they just have a great match because you know, we had a great main event the first night of the, of the major destruction shows. The second night was an overbooked mess, and I, I hope the third night is, isn't the same thing.
0: Yeah, At least on the second night, we had a great co-main event with the tag match. But yeah, the main event was not good.
1: Fair. Um, and I think we'll have a great co-main event here that won't be overbooked. Yeah. But still, you want your main event to, to, to be the best match on the show typically you don't want to end on a like an overbooked nonsensical mess on these big shows yeah
0: i think the one thing i've definitely learned is when you watching the, these three or getting ready to watch the third show and looking at the cards and everything one thing to me that's really clear is that honestly if not one they should only run two destruction shows because it's just, you're getting variations on the same fucking undercard tag matches all tour along. They all run together. And for anybody that wants to complain with Jeremy going, yeah, it was fine. Well, that's honestly what a lot of it is. It's fine to good. It is building the future matches, but it's the same fucking thing every night with maybe a different result. It, it it becomes tedious and I understand why everybody doesn't want to invest in all the shows. Obviously, if it's one show, you could make a pretty killer show, but I think you can do two shows and make two good shows. I just don't think it needs to be three.
1: The problem. And I mean, this is just a touring thing is you get the same iteration of these matches. And not only do you get the same iteration, maybe there's a slight tweak. A lot of it is to just set up the singles matches. So that's fine. They accomplish a goal in that sense. And then the singles matches or the the big or the tag team matches are great. But then you just also like these guys clearly aren't working hard in in these multi-man tag matches, and not to say they're not working hard, I'm not saying like they're completely sandbagging it. No, but they're just they're, right. they're
0: taking it easy for the more important matches.
1: Right, exactly, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like yep. that's their prerogative, and these matches, there's not much. You know, wins and losses matter to an extent in New Japan. That's why they, but they also protect in these multi-man matches to where. You're not going to have, and then when, you know, Rapongi beats uh, Gorillas of Destiny, like, it comes off like a big deal because usually you could spot in these multi-man tag matches, this guy's taking the loss right here. Like, you you know who is taking the loss out of these four or these six. Um, So, yeah, these matches are fine, but they blend together. I'm sorry if anyone is offended that they're just fine and they want a more detailed recap. You watch all these shows and do a more detailed recap.
0: Yeah, and again, it, it, it's really justified, because it is, like I, I've said it several times, it's variations on a the theme, variations on the same thing, and after a while, it just kind of runs together. It is fine. It does serve a purpose, and like I said, some of the matches are good, but again, we're, we're rarely breaking the Gentleman's Three on a lot of these matches, you know? It's, it's it is what it is, and hopefully it's you know, hopefully the uh, last show is a little better, and um, Hopefully, definitely rebounds from the Kegashima show because, again, I uh, if you enjoyed the Kenta Obushi match, awesome. But I thought that was some fucking trash. And again, something New Japan needs to reevaluate because my man was not healthy for that match. I will dispute that with anybody. I will fight that one. Don't, yeah, he don't, wasn't. don't, don't tell me he looked fine. He- they,
1: there was no way he looked fine. <laughs> the dude got knocked out two weeks ago. Knock it off. Yeah.
0: So, Jeremy, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Thank you, as always, my friend. We will be back Sunday night. We're going to talk about the Destruction in Kobe show, any big breaking news, which I'm sure there will be some news coming out between now and then, and then we will preview the ROH Death Before Dishonor show for all 27 of you that are going to watch it. So until Don't then... 27?
1: Don't... 27 people aren't watching this show. Hey, there's a lot of family involved. Okay. Matt David's <laughs> relatives. Matt David's paying a lot of fucking people apparently. So.
0: But uh, again, thank you guys for listening to the 411 on wrestling podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play, YouTube, and of course, the 411 mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share our show around on social media. And if you have time, leave us a five star review on iTunes Until then, remember, despite the fact that not everything is great, it is a fucking great time to be a wrestling fan and you should be excited for it. We will talk to you Sunday night.